up? Greetings from Earth. This is not your leader. My name is Wack Ops. How you doing? Man, oh man, this week was real cool. Up until about 36 hours ago. I was I had this whole show sewn up. All my ducks were in a row. And then, blam, Thursday happened. And we just got all this news. Let's get into it. Uh, starting with some headliners. Our headline news this week. Let's start off with some news just for you. If you got a little extra money in your pocket, please check out the Steam sale. Now, the Steam sale is not like normal sales. Otherwise, I wouldn't be promoting it. I don't work for them. They don't pay me any money, obviously. It is a celebrated thing in the community because they slash prices like nobody's business. You can find 70% off some of your favorite games. Just to give you an example, I picked up Disco Elysium, Bully Scholarship uh, Edition, Fallout, New Vegas, Complete Edition, and Divinity Original Sin 2, all for less than $65. Now, if you're familiar with any of those titles, you would know that most of those titles usually still, 10 years after release, are running for 30 40 bucks. So, Disco Elysium just came out this last year. So, mind you, this is Disco Elysium Final Cut. So, this is the expanded edition, if you will. So please go check it out. I think it's a really good deal. And I think you can find a lot of really popular indies and a lot of hidden gems uh, within the Steam sale that you wouldn't normally find uh, on other platforms. Next, we have uh, actually two stories that confirm two of our rumors from last week. Uh, first is Ghost of Tsushima is officially getting an expansion. It is called Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. It will include an expanded area to the island of Ikishima. Um, it also has some uh, updated features for the PS5, running at improved frame rates and resolution. It also will include um, Japanese lip sync, which for me personally, I want to play a Japanese game in Japanese, but the lip sync kind of bothered me. So um, maybe I'll pick this back up and run it again after picking up the director's cut you can upgrade from your ps4 version if you already own it for twenty dollars otherwise i believe it's going to be seventy dollars for the ps5 and sixty dollars for the ps4 if i'm not mistaken i think this is an awesome game to get a director's cut i think this is exactly what i wanted uh more ghost to tsushima and i honestly i can't wait for people to get their hands on it i believe it is august 20th august 20th that it's coming out and then in our next story, in our last headliner story, we have the Dead Space remake being more or less confirmed. Uh, this is coming from uh, VGC. I'm going to read you a quote from them. While a new Dead Space is coming, Motive is rebooting the franchise with a full-fledged remake. I've reached out to EA. This is Jeff Grubb. I've reached out to EA for comment and will update this story with any input from the publisher. For its Dead Space game, Motive is taking notes from Capcom's recent re Resident Evil remakes. Mike Resident Evil 2 remake expect the next Dead Space to use the original game as a strong foundation, but it should also have modern visuals. And it will likely bring new gameplay mechanics inspired by other entries in the franchise. Now, this is exciting news. I, I've actually been talking about, uh, me and a lot of people actually have been talking about hopefully a Dead Space remake for a while. 
anytime I hear someone do a, a list of top 10 games that deserve a remake or franchises we miss, um, it's like Dead Space and Chrono Trigger and a couple other ones that are really, really popular that people want back. Um, I would say from the 360 era, this might top the list. For me, I did not, I was not able to play the originals at the time they came out, mostly because of money constraints and things like that. My attention was deviated. I mean, I was a kid. So I would be excited to have a new entry, an entry point into this series for people like me who just are curious about the lore of this series or just want to be a part of the Dead Space community because it seems like a very fun concept, a very fun uh, series that we wish was still around the way Resident Evil was still around. But let's see. I can't wait to see more information. We're supposed to hear more from EA um, at their EA Play event. I believe that is July 22nd. So who knows? Maybe we'll actually get a reveal or perhaps they'll just flash a title and they'll say it's in development or something along those lines. Now, let's get into our next segment. It's called The Streets Are Talking. Now, it is the rumor segment, so take everything in this segment with a big grain of salt. Please do not come at me sideways because you said I said something. I didn't. Uh, All of these things are from popular leakers or they are pretty much more or less confirmed things that aren't 100% yet. So, we'll start off with one of the big stories this week. We have... Konami and Blooper Team uh, partnering up uh, for a strategic cooperative agreement. Now, that's a lot of corporate jargon. I'm going to read you a quote from VGC that will help explain what's happening here. So, So, this is a quote from VGC. According to people with knowledge of Blooper Team's plans, one of the projects it's working on is Silent Hill related. However, VGC understands that Konami has already outsourced at least one other Silent Hill project to a prominent developer in Japan, and there could be even more developers working on their own projects. So, we're not getting one Silent Hill project, but multiple possible Silent Hill projects coming out of multiple different development teams, Blooper Team being the development team behind uh, Medium which was a controversial title, but overall I think had some mostly positive reviews. It was a game that played in three-dimensional fixed camera or third-person fixed camera uh, view. It was interesting, but apparently it was successful enough on Xbox as a former Xbox exclusive um, that Konami wanted to give them the opportunity with their Silent Hill IP. I think it's good because Konami hasn't done anything with Silent Hill in quite some time, And I would like to see more uh, nuanced takes on similar IP, you know what I mean? Whether it be in the horror genre or not, but I'm excited to see what comes out of um, all these developers from uh, to Silent Hill. And I hope that it could be a treat for the fans of Silent Hill, because I know they've been starved for something good for a while, watching Resident Evil and all these other games come back to life just like we just talked about. Dead Space is another example of a horror title that's being brought back um, and given a second life, especially with all these remakes coming out. But next, let's talk about uh, our next rumor. It is around GTA 6. Now, GTA 6 rumors pretty much happen all the time. You could probably find a new GTA 6 rumor 
at least every month, two months. Um, but this one is actually coming out of a fairly reputable leaker, uh, Tom Henderson. Now, in this particular uh, thread, he talked about it coming out in 2025. So that's the big news. It is very far away. Please don't expect it anytime soon. But a couple more bits of information that I thought were curious. Uh, he said it's supposed to be in present day Vice City. Now, this differs from a couple other rumors that we've heard in the past where they were going to do an 80s Vice City. Though a lot of people said, honestly, the original GTA Vice City is one of their favorites. Don't mess with the formula. Do something different. So I would be excited to play a game in South Florida and perhaps a game that bounced between Miami and Atlanta and New Orleans present day would be cool. But supposedly the map's going to be a little bit smaller and it's going to be an evolving map rather than an expanding map. Um, but we'll see. I don't really know what that means, but hopefully that can be something engaging moving forward. I'm curious how they're going to use or what potential uh, systems they have in place to make an evolving map possible. Um, but I have a lot of faith in them. If you've played Red Dead Redemption 2, then you've seen some aspects of what we might, what they might be hinting at. Um, when the seasons change or as you progress through the game, different aspects of the world either grow or break down and you see the uh, effects of your actions throughout the world consistently and constantly. And if you can do that in a live game world, meaning multiple players in a server and this world is constantly changing, that would be incredibly interesting. But 2025, who knows where games will be in four years because where were we just four years ago, right? Next, I want to get into some July releases. It is the first uh, of July when I'm recording this, so I want to make sure everybody knows some good things, some good food you're going to be able to get uh, this month. So first things first, let's get into the games releases. So on July 6th, we have A Plague's Tale Innocence that's coming out on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and Nintendo Switch. Um, next, on July 9th, we have Monster, Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin that's coming out on PC and Nintendo Switch. Um, next, on July 16th, we have Legends of Zelda Skyward Sword HD coming out on Nintendo Switch. Um, next, on July 27th, we have Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to Xbox Series X. I'm very excited for all of you that were able to find a console to be finally be able to play this game because it seems very inaccessible otherwise. On July 29th, The Ascent comes to PC, Xbox Series X, and Xbox One. This is also a Game Pass Day 1 game. On July 22nd, we have a release date finally for The Last Stop. That is a one of two indie games that I'm talking about today. Uh, that's coming out on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox One X, and S, as well as Nintendo Switch. And then lastly, we have my favorite indie of the month, the one that I'm going to be picking up. It's coming out on July 20th. That is Death's Door. It is coming out on PC, Xbox Series X and S, as well as Xbox One. Um, if you did not get a chance to check out the trailer uh, during E3, do look up Death's Door. It is very curious. I'm, I, I like 
the RPG elements and the um, skill-based combat that they have. And who doesn't want to play as a bird with a giant sword? That sounds like fun. I can't wait to play it and really unwrap maybe potentially some really good storytelling elements uh, within that game. Um, Next up, we have TV and movie releases for this month. Uh, Today, on July 1st, coming out on Funimation, we have the Scarlet Nexus animated series. So if you liked the game and you were a fan of the lore in that game and the characters in that game, then you can go ahead and find Scarlet Nexus, the animated series on Funimation today. Uh, Coming out this weekend uh, on Hulu, the Summer of Soul comes out on July 3rd. Resident Evil Infinite Darkness on Netflix July 8th. Um, I know a lot of people have been anticipating that in the Resident Evil community. For those of you who are Pixar fans, Monster at, Monsters at Work is coming out on Disney Plus on July 9th. Also on July 9th, we have coming out on Disney Plus and in theaters, Black Widow. You will have to pay $30 fee if you want to watch it at home on Disney Plus. And then lastly, we have Space Jam New Legacy coming out on HBO Max and in theaters on July 16th. Please go support LeBron James and his uh, new venture in the film. Personally, of all these this month, I'm probably going to watch Summer's, uh, Summer of Soul and Black Widow uh, and, of course, Space Jam. I I got to hear good things um, from the animated series before I dive in. Uh, I've had my fill of animated series at the moment, but if you are a fan of any of those IPs, I would definitely suggest diving in because I've heard good things about a lot of the TV shows based on movies. I mean, TV shows based on video games. The movies, not so good. Those have not turned out great, but the television shows seem to have a lot more attention to detail and a lot more time to tell an appropriate story for all the characters. Next, let's get into the reel. That is our movie reel segment where we talk about everything in movies and television. I'm going to be honest with you. This week, it's all MCU stuff. I don't have much else to say about any of the other trailers that I saw this week. If we're really talking about what had me excited this week, it is two things uh, that came out of movie news and one thing in uh, the television realm. So first things first, let's talk about Shang-Chi. The Shang-Chi trailer really got me up off my feet i was surprised i hope that this is hopefully this is one of the best uh hand-to-hand fighting uh movies that we see i i genuinely cannot wait to see these fight scenes like more so than than captain america or black widow shang chi is known for being the best hand-to-hand fighter in the comics if i'm not mistaken if i'm wrong please correct me um, but from what I understand, he's he's the baddest man with two hands. So there was one thing that stood out about this trailer that really caught everybody's eye, and it was one shot of uh, Abomination fighting what looked like to be Wong. Now, Abomination being the villain from the 2008 Incredible Hulk film, uh, for those of you that are young, yes, there is one more movie within <laughs> the MCU canon And that villain is popping up in this movie. So for those of us who've stuck around or been around since that long watching these movies, that's an exciting treat. And then Wong, for some reason, is in a cage match with the Abomination. Um, Wong being the, I guess, sidekick or friend of Doctor Strange. So I'm I'm curious how to, to see how that plays out. 
mostly because I think it's going to be for comedy. And I think if Wong loses, then it's definitely going to be some like stop the fight kind of deal. I, I, I want to see the scene. I want to see what other cameos they have in Shang-Chi. Um, and I hope that, I hope Jimmy Woo doesn't pop up though. I think that would be overkill. I think you had to choose between Wong and uh, Jimmy Woo popping up because otherwise I think it would be a little bit of like, let's just throw all the Asian characters in the Asian uh, superhero movie. I, I don't, they did they did that scene in uh, Endgame with all the female superheroes and I, I'm not a woman. I, I don't know what it's like to, to have a female representation in the MCU or in, in film or in comics or anything like that. But it did feel a little bit like pandering, a little bit. Uh, so I hope that we can avoid any of those moments in Shang-Chi. They did a great job not doing that in Black Panther uh, as much as is in their control. Speaking of which, uh, Black Panther is actually our next bit of news. Black Panther has started production. I'm very excited to see that they got the ball rolling. I have a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler and the team that he has over there. I am very nervous because I do support the like recast T'Challa thing. No disrespect to uh, T'Challa, but I do think that it is important to have as much representation as possible and not have to choose. So just because um, somebody who paved the way for a lot of people to get opportunities in this business passed away doesn't mean that those opportunities should also go away. I don't think that's the case. I think they should recast T'Challa and I think they should also allow for uh, the the young lady who plays Sherry to get some more shine. I think they should bring in Storm and expand upon Black Panther's lore in order to get more Black people on, on film in important roles. You know what I mean? In influential roles, in high-paying roles, quite frankly. I think that's an important thing, not only in the MCU, um, but, you know, everywhere. I want to see that more from DC. I don't see that a lot in DC outside of the CW, which uh, that doesn't really, I'm talking about the big screen. You know what I mean? World changing stuff. But I'm going to read you a quote from Kevin Feige as um, he had something to say in Variety Magazine this week in regards to Black Panther starting production. It's clearly very emotional without Chad, but everyone is also very excited to bring the world of Wakanda back to the public and and back to the fans. We're going to do it in a way that will make Chad proud. I certainly hope so, Mr. Feige. I certainly hope you do right by uh, by Chadwick Boseman. I certainly hope you do right by his legacy and his memory. But honestly, I feel like at the end of the day, there's probably a little bit more pressure on <clears throat> probably a little more pressure on Ryan Coogler than there is on <laughs> on Kevin Feige. I think Kevin Feige has proven to be <laughs> uh, valuable to Marvel, to Disney, uh, and to the fans. I think the fans are pretty much happy with his work. Even if he ends up bungling this project in some significant way, I think uh, there are those that will care, and the majority of, of MCU fans will probably forget about it if he does within a year. 
So let's hope that Shang-Chi and Black Panther are not messed up, like especially coming out of this pandemic. I really hope that everybody can get back to work in a really healthy, positive way and put out something really amazing for all of us. And then last, last, of course, you know what we got to talk about. You know we got to talk about Loki. My God, that last episode, what did I say last week? I said, man, if they don't give me the juice this week, if if episode four is not hot, bro, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to wind back my expectations like a whole lot. And they didn't disappoint. They finally, you know, MCU shows, I'm starting to get the rhythm. They they have these episodes that are just a lot of expo- exposition and just a lot of dialogue and a lot of, I guess, not even just less action, but less action, less humor, less diversity in tone. It's all very one tone, singularly all the way through. Um, and usually kind of on the heavier end, or at least the uh, lower end. So when I had episode three, I was like, they have to be setting us up for for a good one. Because if not, I'm walking out. Um, not to say I would stop watching it, but I would just, I would stop watching it as readily. I would stop caring about people ruining the show for me. You know, things like that. But personally, I... I didn't care for the Sylvie character as Sylvie character that much in episode three. I cared a little bit more in episode four. Um, once I saw how capable she was and, and I guess her willingness to help out B 15 and show her the truth about what's going on uh, at the TVA. I did not throw in a spoiler warning. I'm sorry. As soon as you hear, as soon as you hear Loki, you should just know there's a spoiler warning. I apologize. But yeah, I think that it's really dope. I guess the actress that plays uh, Sylvie, I think has a really good range. And I actually want to see more to the point where I hope that if we do get a season two, that Sylvie isn't dead by the end of this series. But I have a feeling they've already kind of alluded to it. They've already kind of, set us up for Loki to take some kind of loss by the end of this show. And lastly, like, I really want to know what's going on with Ravona Renslayer. Who knew she would actually be the most curious or interesting character on the show? I feel like I know where most everyone stands or where, where they will end up being or where they're going within the show. I think that, again, if this gets revived for a season two, which I'm I'm fairly certain has been talked about already, I would hope that they bring Owen Wilson back. I would hope that they would have Loki back and Sylvie back. But other than that, I have no guess as to what's going to happen next. So I want to see what happens with Ravona Renslayer and see if she has any longevity within being a serious character within uh, the MCU moving forward. I won't lie. Yeah, I'm a little biased. I'd like to see some representation moving forward, but I think her story is really curious. Like, I want to know what she knows. You know what I mean? These last two episodes, I need to understand what's really going on here because the implications of this show have a lot of implications moving forward for all of Phase 4 and can give us inklings into who the big bad moving forward is going to be. Is it going to be Galactus? Is it going to be Mephisto? Is it going to be Cthone? Is it going to be some other guy that I don't know about? 
You know what I mean? Like who's who's coming up next? And I think Loki is the show that's given us the biggest hint so far. I would typically say it was WandaVision, but I think that if I said that, then I would be missing the point of a lot of what WandaVision was trying to convey, which I don't think is entirely weighted in the future of the MCU, but more in um, watching somebody experience something so powerful. You know what I mean? It made me fall in love with the character who I think is going to have importance moving forward. But I had to fall in love with the character first. Not None of these shows are supposed to be a uh, representation of the full extent of any of these characters' stuff. You know what I mean? They're saving all that stuff for the movie. So I'm going to temper my expectations now that I got to have more of what I want from a mystery story character base. But yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping that they don't do anything too funny with the finale um, and try too hard to make everything fit together nicely. Um, but that's enough on Loki. We're obviously going to get tons of information over these next two episodes, um, and I can't wait to break them down with you. Yeah, the finale is going to be rad. And then after that, I think we're going to be going through a bit of a dry spell on the MCU front, so we'll try and pick up another show, perhaps... I'll just do some back catalog watching and talk more about what I've been watching lately. Uh, I've been thinking about getting into the boys and uh, a couple other shows that I think would be interesting to talk about with you guys and uh, just some communities that I heard uh, really rant and rave about some some shows that are outside of superheroes, but still within sci-fi, which uh, I've been trying to get more into. Moving forward. Let's get into the Platform Wars. Now, the Platform Wars, for those of you who were not with us last week, I don't call it the Console Wars, um, mostly because at the end of the day, we're not talking about hardware anymore. And I think it kind of excludes PC uh, from the conversation. So let's go ahead and talk about Sony PlayStation and get them out of the way first, because we're going to actually be talking about Sony PlayStation a lot today. Um, first things first, their big news this week, Sony has purchased Housemark Studios. Now, Housemark is the team behind uh, Returnal, the popular PS5 exclusive that came out this year that got a lot of buzz um, because it was a AAA roguelike, which is rare. I don't know that that's ever happened, and please let me know because it, it's slipping my mind entirely. But yeah, this has been the highest profile roguelike uh, in some time outside of uh, Hades that came out last year, uh, which was an indie developer, Supergiant. But interestingly enough, Sony Japan actually leaked, uh, or potentially leaked, Sony's purchase of Bluepoint Games. Now, they posted on their Twitter an image of, you know, welcome to the Sony family with the Bluepoint logo. Assumedly, that means they have or are in finalizing talks of purchasing blue point but if that be if that not be the case either way major slip up by sony japan but that's okay i'm sure they will be just as happy to be welcomed into the sony family regardless and uh i'm happy for housemark i'm happy for blue point i'm happy when smaller companies are able to get funding 
from these bigger companies. And I think a lot of gamers have the narrative confused where they're selling out. It's like, no, they get to fully realize their best ideas and they've been on like a rookie contract. Look at it from the perspective of sports. They've been on rookie contracts and they finally got their big check. Who doesn't love to see that, man? You know what I mean? Especially people who earned it, who worked hard for it and are finally get the fruits of their labor. I hope that that uh, gets passed down to the developers moving forward. And I hope that their relationship can be a positive one and a healthy one. I hope that uh, they can have a positive, healthy relationship for a long time. I want to see what how smart can bring me in the AAA space. Um, next, we have a rumor, though I didn't put it in the rumor space just because of the the likelihood that it will probably be true. It is regarding the date of the Sony State of Play. Now we know that Sony's going to have a State of Play this summer, and they usually have it on a Thursday in July. Uh, at least if we look at the last two years, as any reference. Now, I tried to find the source of this rumor as far as the date, but uh, it kept bringing me to Reddit comments and reset era, and I couldn't quite pin it down. So the community (laughs) has been saying July 8th for multiple publications. All the big guys uh, have been using throwing this date around. So anticipate it. Don't be surprised if by this time next week we're looking at new gameplay from some popular PlayStation titles. Speaking of one, uh, there's a rumor from Special Nick, typically known for Xbox leaks. I talked about him last week. He's saying that God of War Ragnarok is going to have a gameplay reveal at this state of play. Now, that is very exciting news. I'm sure it's something that a lot of people have been anticipating, especially ever since it got announced for PS4, which... I think dampened some of the hype a bit for people, at least in terms of their expectations. I looked at like, if it's going to be on PS4 as well, of course they're going to show it on PS5 and show off their shiny new toy. But I think it's keeping people from paying attention or as close attention and being as critical about things like load times and textures and ray tracing and XYZ frame rates and just calm down. It's going to be, honestly, if the last got a war was revealed this year people would still be like oh my god this looks amazing so let's calm down and remember who we're talking about we're talking about a company that is known for giving us premium experiences and then this also hopefully this will give us an inkling into their strategy moving forward um on youtube uh if you look up jor raptor that's j-o-r-r-a-p-t-o-r he did a fantastic video talking about Sony strategy moving forward, business strategy. Not real nuts and bolts, but he goes pretty deep. And essentially, it boils down to they're looking to use their existing IP to make multiplayer live service titles. I'm curious to see how that gets implemented. And I hope, I'm almost certain that we will see that at this state of play on July 8th, assuming that that, that is the actual date. Moving on, let's get into some Microsoft Xbox news. Now, not a lot here. I'll be honest with you. It was pretty bare this week in in terms of uh, news for the other three platforms, four if you include mobile. Um, But we have uh, two stories coming out of Microsoft this week. First, we have the Xbox xCloud update. 
now I'm pulling some of this information from a article in The Verge. Now they've upgraded their hardware in their server blades um, from what was previously Xbox One S uh, hardware to Xbox Series X hardware. Now it's been Xbox One S hardware since September uh, when they launched their beta. And what this upgrade means is we're going to have faster load times. We're going to have less latency. We're going to have higher resolution. Basically all good things. If you're using the Xbox xCloud, you will be playing, essentially, you will be able to play whatever an Xbox Series X plays, uh, as long as it's available on xCloud, whatever's available to you. I'm really excited for that. Because as somebody who has not been able to find an X-Gen console yet, uh, I want to be able to experience some of these things while this generation is around. Because as somebody who's historically bought systems pretty late in a generation's lifespan, I want to be kind of with the times, man. You know what I mean? I want to be, I want to buy a console within its first 18 months, two years of being released. I think that's pretty reasonable, given that these things should last roughly four to five years and a lifespan of a console now it's about five to seven. So yeah, dude, let's do it. I'm, I'm ready. Like I, I want to, at the very least, if I can't have the new next gen console, I want to be able to experience what it has to offer to at least know what I'm missing out on. And xCloud is now available uh, on Android, iOS, and PC via the web browser in 22 countries. I think that's awesome. I think, uh, I hope that other platforms can take notice from Microsoft and provide a service that allows people to experience what they have to offer for a competitive rate in places that typically wouldn't have access. I think that's a pretty feasible ask from these companies though i won't say it's necessarily cost efficient if you look at microsoft i bet they have a pretty deep hole in their pocket right now so uh we'll see i I can't wait to see how this turns out once everything is kind of solidified and we know where cloud gaming stands at least for a little bit kind of the way vr's dust settled and we now kind of know where it sits i want to know the same thing with xcloud so We'll see that probably in the next year or two, how this all plays out. And I really want to see what kind of deals they make with other hardware companies uh, in order to get this natively on on different companies' hardware. They're already doing that um, with Windows 11. Uh, The last story we have in Microsoft Xbox News, Todd Howard did an interview with The Telegraph, and he talked about Elder Scrolls 6, and he emphasized Elder Scrolls 6 is, quote, in the design phase. I think this is really disheartening news for a lot of uh, Elder Scrolls fans because it's already been 10 years since the last Elder Scrolls. So now we're looking at like GTA development time numbers. Uh, they're, They're both trying to go for the record, I think. But some good news is that it will be built using the Creation Engine 2 technology, which is the same they're using to build Starfield. Uh, good news and bad news. I think a lot of people are very hesitant about the Creation Engine 2 technology because of how Creation Engine ran on the last few games. 
Bethesda games are notorious for bugs. And so we're hoping that we can get clean, crisp, next-gen graphics, semi-realistic landscapes and character models and things like that, decent load times, and not a lot of bugs. I, I think if it was anybody but Bethesda, I think we would be asking too much. But you know what? We've all bought Elder Scrolls on every platform we could or our favorite Fallout on every platform we could. They have enough money to give us new IP and new IP worth our money. So I'm excited. I'm hoping that I can avoid talking about Starfield and Elder Scrolls and all these Bethesda titles too, too much. uh, Mostly because I think we're going to have to wait quite a bit longer before we get our hands on them. Let's move on to Nintendo. Uh, This story kind of, you know, hurts my heart a little bit. I'm not the biggest Super Smash fan, you know what I mean? I Smash Brothers is like always going to be nostalgic for me, but I'm not competitive or hardcore about it. I don't follow who the latest uh, character is unless they break the internet like Steve. But in a recent Kazuya deep dive event, Kazuya being the uh, second to last character that they're dropping, the one that they just announced at E3 for the Super Smash Bros. Their next character is going to be their last, which everybody knew. But I'm going to read you a quote from uh, Masahiro Sakurai regarding his feelings moving forward with the Smash series. Quote, Up until now, we've created all sorts of fighters and stages. Gathering all these games, new and old, and compiling them into a single product is a task that has meant a lot to me. Now that I think about it, it's been close to 10 years since Super Smash Bros. for the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS was in development. I've been working on this for a long time. You could call it my life's work. Now, the reason this kind of made me sad was because it sounds like this is Sakurai stepping away uh, or preparing to step away in a major way from his 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 greatest work. You know what I mean? And that's tough. And who knows what that means for somebody as successful as him and who's had a game as successful as it is and that's been as influential as it has been. I think I'm I'm curious to see what his next work would be if he chose to work again, and if not, um, how all his work is going to be celebrated and imitated moving forward. Um, Because I think at the point that Sakurai leaves the game, there's going to be a bunch of copycats and imitators. You already see it with uh, Brawlhalla and uh, I forget Sony's title that they were trying to get off the ground. Um, that I I think is making a comeback. I think I think they're making another one of those, but I, I forget the title. But how many more people are going to try and do something as special as as Sakurai, and and come up short? You know what I mean. I I think this game is going to live on for a very very long time. I think if this is truly the last Super Smash Bros that they do, or at least one that is accepted by the community as a true Super Smash Bros, because if they continue it without Sakurai, I think you're definitely going to have some purists 
who refuse to play the new ones. If they continue, I think people are still going to be playing these games. Probably for another 20 years, or as long as we can keep them alive for. Okay, we're going to go ahead and head into a break for a bit. When we come back, we're going to jump right into the trigger warning topic of the week. This week, we are talking about platform x those of you who are in the gaming twitter space probably know what i'm talking about but we're going to be talking about this guy ian garner he is the ceo of neon doctrine he is an indie publisher and he went on a hell of a twitter rant and we're going to break it down and i'm going to tell you why when we come back thank you very much we'll be right back Okay, guys, welcome back. Listen, let's talk about this Twitter rant uh, that was gone on by Ian Garner. I don't even want to call it a rant because he made some valid points. It was much more of a speech or a dictation. Uh, he is the CEO of Neon Doctrine. It is an indie game publisher. And he talked about uh, essentially his relationships with a popular platform um, and how difficult it is for an indie developer or indie publisher to get anything done on these platforms. So we're going to dive right into it. First things first, I'm going to read you some bits from uh, the Twitter rant. We're going to actually go all the way through it, and I'm going to just touch on some points that I thought were especially important. So without further ado, um, these are, again, the tweets from Ian Garner, CEO of Neon Doctrine. Okay, I am mad enough to burn some bridges. Because honestly, what's the point of a bridge that I am not allowed to cross? So here is a thread about Platform X. I will not be defining Platform X, but it's the operator of a very successful console and does not have Game Pass. A.K.A. he's talking about Sony. He continues. Platform X gives developers no ability to manage their games. In order to get promotion, you must jump through hoops beg and plead for any level of prom promotion. And a blog is not as good as they think it is. If Platform X does not like your game, no fanfare, no feature, no love. There's nothing you can do to fix this. Wishlists have no effect, so all your personal marketing means nothing to Platform X. All that matters to Platform X is their evaluation. How is this evaluation done? Dunno. They don't share that, nor will they share the value they ascribe to my game. Okay, so what he's saying here is essentially developers are being judged by metrics that they can't see. And I'm curious, why can't developers be giving an under, given an understanding of the metrics that they're being judged on? If I'm running a race, I want to know where the finish line is. Straight up. Like, and, it, and I, we're going to go through some steps that he laid out that they have to take in order to get their their uh, game on Sony. I'll say it, but he didn't say it explicitly. Uh, he said it all but explicitly, for that matter. Why can't they know? Why can't they know what they're being judged on? Why can't they 
have an opportunity to get on your platform before wasting all this time. If you're pouring all this time and energy and effort in order to get into one ecosystem, and then at the end of the day, it doesn't end up being worth it for you. You wasted all this time and energy and effort and potentially money, which we're about to get into, all to be stopped at the door. That, to me, is not appropriate an appropriate way of doing business. I want to know what I'm being judged on for my business partners, whether I am a customer or I am a producer. But moving on, he continues. So before launch, you need to, one, develop the game for Platform X. Two, get through the incredibly difficult lot, lot check uh, spread over three generations of back-end software. Three, submit a Platform X-specific trailer. Four, write a Platform X blog. Five, submit plat- multiple uh, forms of social media. Later on, he, he continues, by the way, you cannot even do so. You cannot even do a launch discount without their approval. And it is, quote, very limited. That's right. You can't even do the thing that every other platform does, meaning the platform X owners will always get the worst deal. So what he's saying here is essentially on every other platform, you're allowed to negotiate, you're allowed to be flexible in terms of what discounts you want to give out to specific people, to the community. Do you want to discount your game the first week, the first month, whatever. You have some level of flexibility there. It's a no-go with Sony. And I honestly, I I want to know how this differs from the Xbox online store. Unfortunately, we don't have another guy going off on the structure of the Xbox online uh, store. Um, but we do know that Xbox recently cut their their uh, portion of the distribution fee uh, or percentage from 30% down to 18%. They cut 12% out recently. Um, and I believe Steam is still operating at 30% um, of, of a cut. But either way, they still allow you to get promotion out there via this discount, via you know, some kind of promotion. But it's hard to judge without something to compare against. If I'm reading between the lines, I think this highlights a difference in in business strategy between Xbox and Sony. I think Xbox casts a wide net, you know what I mean? But Sony wants the most for their money, more bang for their buck, you know what I mean? The hyper-efficient, let's squeeze the cash out of every bit of this business that we can. But again, this is all dependent, heavily dependent on the Game Pass structure. I'm honestly, I'm waiting to hear uh, some news drop about how Game Pass is structured from a developer standpoint, from a publisher standpoint, because I understand how it's a good deal for me as a consumer, but I want to make sure that they're doing right by the people who are working hard to get me these great games. Moving on, he continues, oh, but don't worry, there's a way to guarantee you get featured. All you need to do is spend a very reasonable minimum of 25,000 USD to get featuring. Oh, and then 30% of your subsequent earnings. (laughs) Obviously, this is offensive. Obviously, hearing that is jarring. If you're telling me I got to pay 25 grand and I got to give you 30% of whatever I make just to get you get on the front page 
of something. And I don't think he gave a times table. 25,000 is the minimum. And I've heard it upwards of $200,000. You know what I mean? And I don't know what the, the, again, I don't know what the times table that is for. I don't know how long you're on the featuring page for. This had me asking myself a question, which is worse for the consumer? And it's a bit of a rhetorical one, but which is worse for the consumer? Indie developers not getting a fair cut of the money that you spend for their game or getting virtually no visibility at all? And I don't like asking this question. I'm not a fan of this being this rock in a hard place mentality. Of course, I want to strive for a better answer, but that's not where we are right now today. That's not what we're talking about today. So I, I want to know what is worse for the consumer. To me, not having visibility is worse. If you're saying you got to pay the cost of doing business, but everybody's paying the same fee, fine. You know what I mean? And and even past that, even if we're not going to think about the developer and the consumer, is this better for business? Is this better for Sony? You know what I mean? Is Sony's online store more accessible for it with a less diverse swath of, of, of titles. And that's not to say they don't have a diverse, you know, uh, library of titles, but I'm just saying not allowing any developers, uh, room to not have to pay at the door. So upfront, I think hurts Sony and hurts the gaming community. All of us. You look at steam, look, they, their base is 30% cut across the board. I don't know what their fee structure is as far as getting on there, but I would imagine it's pretty low. It's not 25 grand. So devs not might not might not like it, but it isn't necessarily anti-competitive. Um, please let me know if I'm wrong. Please reach out and tell me if I'm wrong about these numbers, because I honestly, I'm curious about the business structure, about how these games get published. But I think... Honestly, at the end of the day, this is a really important note on the downside of a company focusing solely on the premium experience. Sony is essentially doing what record companies, and Sony is a record company, what record companies do to young artists, young up and coming like music, musicians and stuff. You know what I mean? You have, you, you, you have nine artists, all their revenue pays for the top one artist all that gets kicked up to the top 10 percent or one percent or whatever number you want to use whatever metric you want to use but uh, yeah dude they ruin nine careers to boost one so that's what i at least from what i can tell that's what i'm seeing when i hear oh you got to pay this amount and you you got to give me 30 percent and and i still might not mess with you that's the only way you can guarantee to get featured. And other than that, you just kind of have to rock with me. That's weird. That sounds like some gang extortion stuff. And if it is, then it is. But let's not forget this the next time they drop like a hot title. Because leaving indies in the wind out in the cold ain't cool. I'm not with that. I don't like that from Sony. I think that's like bad business practice. You know what I mean? Like to know that somebody I'm doing business with has such little respect for me doesn't make me want to do business with you. And so as soon as the first opportunity to get up out of there and diss you and rub it in your face or whatever, or at least just get out of that situation and find something better for myself. Yeah, I'm going to take that opportunity. 
moving on, he he had quite a bit more to say. So discounts, uh, much later on, discounts are only invite are, are invite only, and invites are also very limited. Uh, it's been literal years since we can put a title of ours in discount. And I spoke to some other very popular devs today, and they had the same experience. So what he's saying is no discount, no promotion, no backend support. Shows such little respect for the gamer and the developer. You know what I mean? I will have this one caveat. You know what I mean? I don't want to fence it, but I will say this because context is, is key here. Sony is competing with Microsoft. Microsoft, who can afford to lose big money. Sony doesn't have that same luxury. They're, they're, it's a different beast. Those of you that think that it's a fair fight between Microsoft and Sony and have seen Sony beat Microsoft should really look at the stock exchange and look how much bigger Microsoft is compared to Sony. Microsoft is huge. Sony is an entertainment company, but Microsoft is a tech company. For those of you that don't know, maybe some of y'all are, are younger who are listening to this podcast, Microsoft, you, you see how Amazon and Facebook and Google are in front of Congress answering all these questions about if they're too big and if they need to break up into little pieces. The original, the OG of that is Microsoft. The way we talk about Mark Zuckerberg is the way we used to talk about Bill Gates. So remember that both of these companies are duking it out. They're, they're fighting for your dollars, but I think Sony is putting up a valiant fight. I just wish that they could do it in without cutting so many throats. You know what I mean? I feel like they're so ruthless on the business end. And I think they take after Nintendo in that way. You know what I mean? Nintendo's very cut and dry with their business. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say unfair, but they're very cut and dry. And they're not playing with you. You know what I mean? And and I respect that. But I shouldn't be able to see that as the consumer. You know what I mean? Not on a surface level. And I think some of those documents that came out in that Epic versus Apple case really hurt Sony's reputation and even how we're talking about this conversation right now. Because without people having found out how they approach cross-platform and how anti-consumer some of their practices are, then we might not be having this conversation. He continues later on, he says, so even if your game does well at launch and thrives on other platforms, you may still never be invited. Why? Who knows? In conclusion, Platform X is super successful and awesome hardware, but their back end and process is straight out of the early 2000s. I have no idea how to succeed on this platform and they won't tell me. And even if I do succeed, they may screw me anyway. So for many gamers who have wandered in here, next time you're unhappy about your game never being discounted on Platform X or a game you want not launching on Platform X, please go complain to Platform X. Later on, he says, and please bear in mind, I am an English speaking British guy who can travel the world, attend showcases, shake hands, and meet with power in these situations. If this is my experience, imagine what it's like for someone without my level of privilege. This Twitter rant, if you want to call it that, 
show me something really important about some of the big boys on the block in the gaming space and that they're prepared to to give us less access to our indie darlings less access to support support small businesses and less access to diverse gaming now if you care about supporting small businesses in the gaming space and you care about diverse gaming and you care about having access to some of your favorite indies then you have to understand what Sony's business practices are doing in that space when they are charging $25,000 and 30% to get somebody on the, on on their featured page that to me is heartbreaking that they're they're not even allowing they're not even blaming it on an algorithm they're not even allowing playtime and downloads and uh purchases and revenue no other measurable uh to judge or they won't tell us that they are so how are we to know how are we to know when they can change the rules of the game anytime they want and we would never know i'm not a developer but if i was i would take offense to this and i would be upset by this but i'm glad that somebody's speaking out on it and i hope that it becomes a more natural conversation for layman's like me um which is why i'm talking about it today because I think it's something that we need to be able to support people we care about who bring us valued entertainment and and make sacrifices for it and aren't thanked for it and aren't compensated for it appropriately. That's not cool to me. You should get paid for the hard work that you do. You know what I mean? But that's it. We're going to wrap up the trigger warning topic this week. It was our very first trigger warning topic. Please write an email to us, wackops at gmail.com, or hit me up on Twitter. That's at wackops, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Um, if you want to talk about our very first trigger warning topic, we're going to have more topics like this moving forward. I can't guarantee it's going to be every week, uh, but what I can guarantee is that every week we will come with this same energy. So please, come by give me more ideas if you you have something to share that you think would be a good topic for trigger warning of the week please let me know we're gonna go ahead and take a pause here and when we come back we are gonna get into five minutes of sports and talk about the nba playoffs before we give you the shout out of the week and get up out of here we'll be right back thank you so much Okay, okay, okay. We are back. We only have a couple more segments before we head on out of here for the day. Uh, I want to get in our five minutes of sports segment. This is a segment where I get to spend five minutes talking about games that I like. These games are not virtual. They're not video. They are sports. So the NBA playoffs are happening this week, and that is what we're going to talk about for these five minutes of sports first things first where are we now and how the hell did we get here i i swear to god i i looked up and it said the suns are in the finals and i i was confused i never thought the phoenix suns would make it to the nba finals the phoenix suns i thought they were a filler team you know what i mean 
and then the Clippers. Of all of it, I didn't realize that it was between the Clippers and the Suns, and the Clippers of all teams dropped the ball. Now, I want to say quickly a congratulations to Chris Paul. I have talked a lot of smack about this man over the years, but at the end of the day, I think that, you know, despite his attitude and some of the things that I've heard him say, he's a well-deserved player to be in the in his very first NBA Finals. I've watched him, I don't know, for the last eight seasons, get injured in the playoffs, injured in the playoffs, injured in the playoffs, injured in the playoffs, no fault of his own. He has worked to develop young players. He's worked to get the most out of his team. And he is probably one of the best point guards of this generation. So I really hope that that people are giving him his flowers today. And I, I hope he really gives whoever he meets on the other side of the ball uh, the business. I hope they, they that he can play at semi full speed even at his age. So, and it would be nice to see uh, if D book can do it. I, I want to see uh, if if Mister Devin Booker can really uh, go Super Saiyan and 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 do the thing, man. I'm excited. Um, on the other side of the ball, let's talk about Paul George. I am really Paul George has made me stop talking smack about other players like I used to talk a lot of smack about a whole lot of people like James Harden uh Chris Paul being one of them there's a lot of people I I just I didn't I didn't get it you know what I mean I was like yeah you're nice but you're like "Eh, yeah you know and then over the last like two or three years I've heard so many cats defend Paul George and come to his aid and be like oh man He's not that he he's one of the best players in the NBA. He's a top five player. Like word, he's a top five player. Listen, man, at the end of the day, I think in basketball, more than in any other sport, uh, maybe than maybe, maybe than uh, a pitcher in baseball. You know what I mean? That's the only other position I can imagine has that kind of pressure. Um, in the sense that, like, bro, you have every opportunity to go get a win. You have every opportunity to go get a bucket. You have every opportunity to go stop somebody else from making a play. And you're considered one of the best two-way players on the, in the game, and you fumble consistently. You know what I mean? Consistently fumble. Consistently fumble. And like that breaks my heart because I really don't want to talk bad on this man, especially because Kawhi went out with an ACL. But like still, like still. You know what I mean? Like, what were you was talking all that smack last year? You had Pat Bev on the squad talking big smack. Like, you you need to be. I feel like he needs to either own it like a leader, or stop, stop. People need to stop putting him on on a on the highest echelon, and just let him be like an A minus B plus B plus player. You know what I mean? Because he's starting to look like a a B plus player that plays an A. Sometimes. Instead of like an A player who fumbles all the time. Like, nah, bro, you got to show up in the playoffs. You can't blame this on injury, you know? And if it's a mental health issue, then let it be a mental health issue. And I I, I won't talk on that. I, I won't speak on nobody getting their head right. But yeah, yeah. And then lastly, is it time to split up LA? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it, it might be time to break up this team. I don't know if they got it, bro. Uh, this has been, what, the third year, at least the second year in a row that I've seen this team not perform at what we expect of them. 
and they just show and prove every time there's only one basketball team uh, worth rooting for in L.A. And I'm not a Laker fan, but man, the Clippers have have a tough history. So let's get into the other side of the uh, coast. We'll go into the Eastern Conference with the Atlanta-Milwaukee game. Now, I just finished watching the game five where both stars were out, Trey Young and Giannis both out. Uh, Trey Young had a bone bruise, and Giannis had a terribly scary knee injury uh, last night. Um, From what I understand, there's no structural damage, so hopefully he'll be back in soon. But um, his team was able to carry the win in a clutch last-minute win. They had four players score 20 points. When your top player is out, that's how you do it. But I once I looked up and I saw that there was a pivotal game five, one of the most important games in the series, in the Eastern Conference Finals, no uh, Brooklyn Nets, mind you, no Philadelphia 76ers, mind you, and both the two top players are out due to injury. It had me scratching my head like, how do how are we potentially gonna get a Suns Hawks finals? Who had money on that? You know what I mean? So I started looking through the injury list. Let's go through some notable injuries that the NBA has had to deal with this year. And this is just in the playoffs. Chris Ball, Phoenix Suns, shoulder injury, COVID, miss missed two games. Kawhi Leonard, Los Angeles Clippers, ACL injury out indefinitely. James Harden, Brooklyn Nets, hamstring injury, missed three games. Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, ankle injury, missed three games. Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers, knee injury, missed one game. Anthony Davis, Los Angeles Lakers, groin injury, missed one game. Mike Connolly, Utah Jazz, hamstring injury, missed five games. Donovan Mitchell, Utah Jazz, ankle injury, missed one game. Trey Young, Atlanta Hawks, foot missed one game, still out, so two games now. And Giannis Attentacumpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, knee injury, missed one game so far, and status is still unknown. So what you're telling me is I can chalk up at least three, four, five, five of these series up to injuries. Pretty legitimately. Pretty legitimately. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a crapshoot for me to be like, oh, man, the Utah Jazz lost because Donovan Mitchell and Mike Connolly were out. That's not a stretch. The Brooklyn Nets lost because James Harden and Kyrie Irving were out. That's not a stretch. And, I mean, if you count what what was going on with the Clippers, it's not a stretch. That Kawhi, Kawhi being out shuts everything down. I just want to say the NBA needs to do a lot better job um, understanding what these players are going through and how to mitigate some of these injuries. I know a lot of these are freak accidents and they're not supposed to happen and it's just bad luck, but I think pushing this season as hard as they did, I think LeBron James proves out to be LeBron James being a lot more right than we think. And all that game management, all that people talking bad on game management, the only reason I don't like people talking bad on players about game management is because when I look at Bill Russell and Kareem and they can't stand and that's what y'all want for these players I'm not with that so yeah manage your 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 health 
I don't care. Take your days off if it means you get to keep walking after you hang up that jersey. Uh, I hope that all these players come back. I hope all these players are able to find comfortable team situations moving forward. And I hope this does not happen again. This is terrible. This is not what anybody wants. Uh, unless, I guess, you're a Phoenix Suns fan. <laughs> I guess it's the only group of people who are like, yo, this is dope. Everybody got hurt. Uh, that uh, breaks my heart. Shout out shout out to, to Trey Young. Shout out Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? Shout out Kawhi, bro. Y'all get healthy, y'all. Shout out Giannis. Um, speaking of shout outs, feel free to send me an email at, uh, W-H-A-C-K, that's WACOPS at gmail.com, or hit me on Twitter, that's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Super easy to find me. Uh, please subscribe and share, and if you like what you're hearing and you appreciate what I'm bringing to you, then please share it with people that you think would also enjoy it. It does help. I, I do appreciate it. I want to end the week with a shout out of the week. Now, this shout out of the week is by way of Spawn on Me podcast with Khalif Adams. He interviewed uh, Lisette T- Titri Montgomery. Now, Lisette Titri Montgomery is uh, a black in gaming award winner. She is the art director of Psychonauts 2. Um, she is a person of color. She's a black woman. And uh, she actually helps volunteer at an organization that I think you should donate your time, energy, money to. Uh, go ahead and look up Game Heads Oakland. Now, Game Heads Oakland is an organization that brings in gaming professionals, developers, publishers, um, writers, uh, content creators into a community center of kids um, who typically wouldn't have access to uh, computers and hardware and software and stuff and shows them how to make games and get started in the industry that they want to work in. And I think that is amazing work. I wish that this was an opportunity that I had when I was a little bit younger. So please donate your time, donate your money and attention to Game Heads Oakland. But this interview on Spawn on Me with Lisette Titri uh, Montgomery was a, a very powerful interview. I think that the more that I learn about Psychonauts 2, the more I want to play it, um, whether it be about uh, their choices in hiring or whether it be about their choices in subject matter and, and the kinds of things that they want to tackle. I definitely think if you're interested in listening uh, from a person of color art director in the AAA gaming space, please go check out this interview. I think it is well worth your time, and I think the conversation was very natural and cool and not stuffy and over informational. Like it's very um, anecdotal. And I think uh, a lot of us can connect better with a story uh, than just a textbook. So let's show some support to my guy, Khalif Adams and the Spawn on Me podcast, as well as Lisette Titri Montgomery and the folks over at Double Fine by supporting Psychonauts too and checking out that interview. Um, that's going to end it out, end it for us over here at Hardcore Casual this week. I am Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun. Be cool. Stay dangerous. <laughs>